Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Community Garden. I'm Mary Huckel, the show host and the author of the book, Community Garden Revolution. And today we have a wonderful action-packed show with Dr. Becky Langer, who is the director of the Bayer Crop Science North America Bee Care Program. And we're going to hear about what that's entailed and why a bee care program. Hi there, Dr. Becky Langer. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you, ma'am. And please tell us exactly why a bee care program is so important in today's world. So the honeybees today are facing so many challenges. People often um, hear about them being exposed to pesticides, but it's it's a much greater challenge these bees are facing. They have everything from the varroa mite. This is a giant tick-like organism that attaches to the bees and transmits viruses to the to the bees, and so they became very ill. There's other pathogens and diseases. Nutrition and habitat is another huge factor, and even the climate can play a large role in how a honeybee thrives in our environment. Are you finding that with the uh, air change and the climate changing, you know, with the temperatures and so on, is this also affecting uh, bees being able to even stay alive? Uh, the climate can certainly affect uh, the bee's survival rate. What happens is when the temperature drops below about 55 degrees, the the worker bees will cluster around the queen in the hive to keep her warm all winter long. And a couple of different things can happen. One, we can have a very cold snap in areas that aren't used to being so cold. So North Carolina, mm-hmm. Florida, you may not insulate the beehives like you would do in Canada to protect the bees during the winter. So if you get a long uh, period of real cold temperatures, they just may not be able to survive that that cold temperature. Another situation is in the spring when we have big fluctuations of temperatures. Perhaps it gets up to 60, 70 degrees in the afternoon. The bees think it's springtime. I'm going to go out and forage for some food. And then maybe a cold front comes in and drops the temperature rapidly to you know, 30, 40 degrees by dusk. And the bees are unable to form that cluster back to keep that queen warm. So that can certainly play a role in their survival. And the importance of pollination, uh, can you uh, explain to people, I've read that uh, it's $15 billion uh, that uh, is involved every year of why we have to have pollination of the different crops uh, in America. Uh, what is pollination? Why is that so important to keep these plants alive? I mean, why is it all this is connected? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of connection there, and the pollination is a huge uh benefit, economic benefit to our crops. So uh, we have our, our blooming crops, our, mostly our vegetables, our fruits, nuts, and vegetables rely on bees for pollination. And the bees must visit the flowers, uh, transferring, they indirectly transfer the pollen from flower to flower, creating a pollination as they're out collecting their food sources. And so it's an indirect activity that comes from the bees visiting the flowers, but it's very critical to setting the fruits on these plants and providing the food that we eat. It's estimated that one out of every three bites of food is dependent upon pollination by insects such as the honeybee. So... We wouldn't exactly starve if we lost pollination from the insects, but what we would lose is that rich diversity to our diet, the nutritious fruits, the nuts, the vegetables everyone likes. You mean they would really take away crops from us from eating? 
it would take away a lot of the, the delicious foods. It wouldn't take away crops such as corn or wheat or soybeans. Those are uh, can be wind-pollinated or self-pollinated. So a lot of our staples we would still have, but the you know, our apples, our avocados, our cucumbers, our uh, peanuts, our almonds, anything in that direction would be affected if we were losing pollination. Oh, my lands. Now, is this something with the climate uh, change, let's say if it gets a lot higher, uh, hotter in temperature, is that something that could affect these insects uh, staying alive and even being on the planet to be able to do pollination? Uh, so heat does not affect the bees as much as cold does. They are certainly more able to adapt to the heat. Where the heat plays a huge factor is the blooming of our wildflowers and other nutritional food sources that the bees need. So those fruits, nuts, and vegetables are not blooming all the time, and yet the bees have to eat from early spring to late fall. And so hmm. they're out visiting flowers, whether it be the flowers we plant in our gardens or our flower beds around our homes. It might be wildflowers that are out in the prairies or the valleys. And when we go into significant oh. drought periods, it affects those bloom patterns and the ability of the wildflowers or the wild forage to to bloom. And so the, the bees have a, a significant uh, drought, if you will, of their own food sources. So here at Bear, we've actually introduced a big initiative in 2015 called Feed a Bee. And this is working to educate people on exactly the needs of the bees' uh, nutrition, how we can all plant wildflowers and help benefit. And some people might think, you know, well, I can't make a huge difference just myself. But the thing is, even if everyone plants just a small flower pot on their balcony or their porch, that all adds up to a much greater cumulative effect of being able to feed the bees. On your Feed to Bee program, uh, is it something that a group with a community garden wanted to uh, add a, a beekeeping area uh, at one of the sites? Is it something that they can contact you all and be able to uh, patch in for information, or, or what's involved in that? They can certainly contact us. We have a website, feedbee.com, and at this website, people can commit to plant their own plants, and it, it counts towards our 50 million goals. So how we started out in the beginning of the year, we had a goal to plant 50 million flowers through wildflower seed packets that we would distribute. I'm so excited to tell you we met wow. that for three months. The, the response was overwhelming. We knew that it would be popular because everyone wants to help, but the sheer magnitude and urgency of the response that we were received was just astounding. So we met 50 million, and so where we're transitioning now is that people can, can choose to plant their own plants that they pick out, or they can ask us to plant on their behalf, which might be a community garden, and will involve Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, 4-H groups, or they can contact us and receive um, bigger batches of wildflower seeds, such as, you know, maybe a thousand packets. Some gardening clubs have contacted us or beekeeping associations that they want to hand out these packets and increase the educational capacity of the program. Another side of it, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was curious how people Another patch component. into you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another component is partnering with organizations. So we have the goal of 50 million flowers. We also have the goal of 50 or more partners. And these are organizations which might be uh, a county uh, 
master gardening club that wants to participate or uh, a city community park, as you, as you mentioned in the beginning. They can contact us and become a, an official fee-to-be partner, and we'll provide them with bulk wildflower seed that they can introduce into the gardens uh, for being a partner of the program. So a lot of different avenues. The best way to find out information is to go to fee2b.com and uh, visit the different areas and then contact us for more information. Now, do you keep uh, how many gardens? Uh, let's say if there's a group that has 10 uh, community gardens or maybe there might be a group that has 100 community gardens. Do you have a cutoff limit there of who you can help out? We we will eventually have a cutoff, but what we're seeing now is that we're able to meet the demands because uh, a couple acres of wildflowers is quite a bit for a certain uh, community garden right. park to present. And so we've got quite a bit of bulk seed that we're able to provide. And then as we progress through the year, if we start seeing some limitations, uh, we're seeing some other organizations that want to partner with us and help out. And so we may be able to even secure more bulk seed as we move through the process, depending on the demand that we see. Oh, that's wonderful. And um, I'm going to go ahead and give your information to the American Community Gardening Association, too, on this because this is wonderful. Now, we've seen in the past where there was a big interest in um, saving bees. Then it kind of was lax. And then we've heard in the last few years that there's a real big surgence, uh, resurgence of trying to make sure that there's enough bees that are around to pollinate. Uh, what are you finding? Uh, I'm excited to tell you that actually numbers of bees in the United States are stable or increasing. The latest uh, overall survey coming out of the USDA based on honey numbers in 2014 showed that we had a 4% increase in the number of hives, which brought us to about 2.74 million colonies. Now, when we have in the summer, there's 40 to 60,000 bees in a healthy summertime hive. So 60,000 bees times 2.74 million colonies is a whole lot of bees in the United States. What we and do is that going to be good enough to make it? That is good enough to make our pollination services. What we do find is because all of those factors and challenges that the bees are facing, that we do have a higher loss occurring in the wintertime losses. When the, This is when the beekeepers will voluntarily report their losses into the USDA and the bee-informed partnership in the early spring. So they'll open the hives the first time in the spring, they report their losses, and those pa on the past couple of years have been a little higher than people like to see. But what happens is then the beekeepers will take their healthy hives and they split them off, which prevents the bees from swarming, allows you to then have two hives from one, and the bees will regenerate and grow. And so that's how we keep our numbers stable to growing and how we have enough bees to meet our pollination demands. Okay, let's say that if I was having a community garden and I wanted to be a beehive, I started a beehive, and I wanted to be, uh, be a beekeeper, then where do I find the equipment to be able to do all that? Is it something online or is it something to you all? How do I find that equipment? Equipment is available online. Uh, another great resource for someone wanting to learn how to keep bees or to get into the beekeeping uh, hobby is to consult with your local beekeeping associations. Most places, uh, either city-based or county-based, will have a beekeeping association. These associations are wonderful. They will generally offer beekeeping classes, beginning beekeeper classes for individuals, or they'll set a person up with a mentor, a, a more seasoned person in the club who can mentor them and teach them how to keep the bees. And they can then provide the information on the equipment necessary, which is uh, fairly limited. You're going to need, uh, say, a starter pack of bees in the hive that they're going to live in. 
Uh, you're going to need a suit, uh, which protects you from getting stung, and that'll include generally a veil over the top, uh, leather gloves, some some tall rubber boots, and then a smoker. And they smoke use the smoker to uh, cover the pheromones the bees let off and make the bees a little more docile when they go into it. So. In the average ballpark, startup costs are going to be around $500 for a beekeeper. But if you join that beekeeping association, you may get some lessons for free. You may get some secondhand equipment. And they may even help you be able to capture a swarm so you can get your first bees by by kind mm-hmm. of recapturing them from nature. And then, Becky, some people, they even uh, collect that honey, from what I understand. And then uh, some of these community gardens, they're able to distribute that, whether it's at, uh, let's say, a farmer's market, or they can find uh, a a different kind of distribution situation to be able to sell that off. So they could also not only help bees uh, with pollination, but they could sell some of that product. Wouldn't that be right? Yes, we do see that as a growing trend. As you mentioned, community gardens, we've heard of golf courses keeping bees, and then they sell the honey in the pro shops for the members, or they use it in the country club restaurants. Many restaurants are keeping bees. It's uh, They've got herbs and things that they're growing, whether it be in a, a regular traditional garden or a rooftop garden for the restaurants, and so they're using the bees to pollinate the herbs and the vegetables they're growing to use in the restaurant, and then they have the honey from the bees that they use in their rest, in their recipes. Now, do you see a trend that may be coming? Uh, that's why you are making this push for uh, keeping bees uh, alive and, and prospering. Do you see that with the food shortage that could be approaching, uh, you know, not only the United States but also the world, do you also see that this could be a problem with keeping enough bees, you know, in like 2030 or 2050? Absolutely. The world's population is expected to reach over 9 billion people by 2050. Yes. And so this is increasing our demand on food. And the pollinators, like we said, are pollinating one out of every three bites of food that we eat. So as we increase the amount of food we eat, we're going to have to have the healthy bees to make sure we're getting that pollination. So it's certainly important to keep them healthy. And to be able to meet the need, are you seeing like a 10% rise that you're supposed to be doing every year or 5% just to keep up with demand? I'm not familiar with a projection that has went out for the number of bees that we have to be projecting out. The bees are um, a, a very quick life cycle, so they are replicating very fast and I think as long as we use them smartly. So currently, bees are the most heavily traveled livestock in the nation. This means they're loading them on semi-trucks, and then they truck them around the nation to pollinate the different crops. So while we have a greater increase in demand on our food, it's not necessarily blooming all at the same time. And so if we're smart Mm -hmm. about the way we use the bees that we have and keep them well-fed when they're traveling around, then, yes, we'll need more numbers, but I don't know that we have a projection of exactly how many we have to have to meet that food demand. And to wrap it up, uh, why is it important to have a bee care program, and uh, do you see a promising future for bees? Uh, just give us your view, your little summary view on what, you, what you're seeing, uh, Dr. Langer. I do see a promising future for bees. I think uh, bees have captivated the hearts of America. You've got them on everything from, you know, cereal boxes to primetime TV specials. And and that's great news because it's created such an awareness around the honeybees. And that in itself is helping 
to help them thrive. We're getting more flowers being planted. We're getting more scientists working on combating the varroa mite and the other factors affecting the bees. So I think the bees do have a promising future. We all have to work together to get to that future. And for bear, it, it's very important for us. Agriculture is our business. We are actually the largest employer of honeybees in Canada for our canola seed business. We have vegetable seed businesses. And so us, like any other um, individual in an agricultural setting, rely on the bees so importantly. So this is actually not a new initiative for us or a new program. We've been working in improving the bee health for over 30 years now. Well, Dr. Becky Langer is who we've been speaking with, and she is the director of the Bayer Crop Science North America Bee Care Program. And, uh, Becky, it has been certainly my honor and my pleasure to be able to speak with you today. And I appreciate all the work that you're doing for bees. And keep with it, gal. Keep with it. And I appreciate your time today with us. Thank you so much. This has been well, my honor. I'm, I'm certainly uh, very honored with you. And uh, this has been Mary Huckel for Community Garden. And as always, have a great Community Garden Day.